Now on 960 The Patriot, it's the Middle East Radio Forum, your chance to talk about the turmoil in the Middle East. To call in live, dial anytime at 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Outside of the Valley, call toll-free at 888-960-9696. Questions are also welcome at radioforum at aol.com. That's radioforum at aol.com. Now your host for the Middle East Radio Forum, Attorney William J. Wolf. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. September 29, 2019. Would you believe we are almost at the end of the 16th year of broadcast of Middle East Radio Forum? Next month, October, we start the 17th year, God willing, and I thank you very much for helping me do that. This show is available everywhere in the world on the Internet on my website, MiddleEastRadioForum.org. Please spread the word about this show As I said, it's on the Internet, so you can listen anywhere in the world where you have an Internet connection. This time of year, it's noon in Arizona and also noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern and 10 p.m. in the Middle East, or as uh, Mayer would say uh, in the, what, 7th century? In any event, Mayer is my guest today. Uh, Mayer is co-host on the show. Should be a great show. And I thank you very much for uh, continuing to support this show by using the services of the advertisers. There is no Yoni today, but I will use Yoni's time to announce we're going to have another listener dinner in two, three weeks. I haven't decided exactly which uh, Sunday. It'll be a Sunday night. But I do need to know how many people want to come. If I don't have enough interest, I'm not going to do it. So just let me know. I think we'll probably have it at Siegel's Kosher so anybody can eat meat uh, at uh, Siegel's Kosher. So please send me an email, and it doesn't have to be today, sometime in the next week. Let me know, yes, you want to go to the listener dinner and uh, that you'll have other people there. I'll probably have Carl Goldberg there. I should have Bayer if he can join us, and Dave Rothschild. should be a wonderful evening. So please, please send me an email and let me know that you want to be at the listener dinner. They're usually at 6 o'clock on Sunday evening. Like I said, it'll probably be at Siegel's. Mayor, how are you today? I'm doing well, Bill. Pleasure to be here. Uh, I know you're on the show a lot, but let me give you a little bit of an introduction here that perhaps uh, people aren't aware of. Uh, You were born in Israel. You have lectured and written extensively on Middle East affairs. You obtained a master's in international relations and political theory. Professionally, your resume includes you worked with special projects for a Jerusalem-based think tank, the Institute for Advanced Strategic and Political Studies, You served as a national executive director of the ZOA, which is the Zionist Organization of America, which is the oldest pro-Israel Zionist organization in America. Many years before, you served as the national chairman of the Jewish Defense League, the JDL. Most recently, until you moved to Arizona, you served as the executive director of the Savarda Community Center in Brooklyn, New York. Today, Mayor continues to be involved in pro-Israel advocacy, lecturing on various geopolitical and strategic affairs with a focus on issues that affect Israel and the United States. And I will add, Mayor, I'm not sure I could continue to do Middle East radio form without your kind assistance. As I've said, we're nearing the end of the 16th year uh, of broadcast. It was really difficult for me to be here every Sunday. I didn't like to do pre-recorded or uh, replay of old shows. And you and, of course, Dave Rothschild have stepped up to really help me continue to bring Middle East Radio Forum to the ear. Well, thank you for that. Okay. Uh, obviously, people are interested in the Israeli election, and we do welcome the calls throughout the show. Uh, 
this is kind of a crazy situation because they have had two elections, and it seems like the second one hasn't changed anything from the first one where uh, nobody's able to form a government. Uh, Mayor, could you bring us up to date and explain what happens and how a government is actually formed in Israel, different than the United States? I will. Allow me, by the way, thank you for the introduction. I'll supplement that by also letting people know that I am a veteran of the IDF. Uh, That said, uh, the Israeli government, uh, based on a coalition structure, is almost dysfunctional, as has been proven by the last two elections. The last two elections, and never in Israel's 71-year history, have we had a case where elections were so close together. Uh, The the first of those two was in April of 2019, uh, April 9th, and the other was in September 17th. In uh, neither circumstance was, uh, well, we're still wrestling through the second, but it appears that there's a stalemate. It's a deadlock. There aren't enough uh, parties that are willing to come together to form a coalition government which will allow the 61 seats necessary for a Knesset of 120. 61 allows them to rule. The parties themselves cannot put together a coalition of 61. Obviously, the two major parties together would be way more than enough, but uh, it's sort of like asking the Democrats and the Republicans in this country to come together. As a juxtaposition of what happened yesteryear, for example, if you look at the history of Israel, uh, this, by the way, would be the 20, this is the 22nd Knesset. Now, if one looks at the 71 years, elections are supposed to be held every four years. It's not the way it works in Israel. It isn't like the United States where we know that in any given Olympic year, it just happened to be in the year 2056, there will be an election if 2000, and so on and so forth. We know when the elections are going to be in the United States. They're every four years. Israel it doesn't that, uh, it doesn't work that way. If the government collapses, and they will call for elections, uh, and it seems to be again the case. Okay, uh, we have to have sixty-one, and right now we have two major parties. Uh, can you briefly tell the listeners who the two major parties are and what is the difference, and why are they so at odds? Okay, a lot of it is, uh, is personality. Uh, the party that's been in power uh, most recently, of course, is the Likud party. And that's headed by Bibi Netanyahu. Bibi Netanyahu. And it's interesting how um, people have come to identify the party by the persons first, by Bibi. It's Bibi versus Benny Gantz. They don't say it's Likud versus Blue and White, which is the other party. Uh, it, just like in the United States, they talk about Democrats against Trump. They don't necessarily say the Republicans. Bibi's become almost synonymous with the Likud party. The Likud party is viewed as, rightly, wrongly, as a right-wing party. I would say it's wrongly. It's right of center. It's it, definitely not right-wing as uh, you would be if you were leading the government it's there. It's absolutely not right-wing. In fact, it's interesting that while jockeying for position and for power and everything else, Bibi Netanyahu, uh, in the days he did this uh, on a number of occasions, on the days or the weeks before the election, actually denigrate some of the things that the right wing, the more right wing parties do, uh, in order to uh, try to wrestle votes away from them. I do want to mention this as a historical fact, also, Bill. If one looks back historically to Israel, and you look at the party at the time which ruled for Israel during its first 30 years, 29 years, it was the Labour Party. And if you look at the amount of seats, again, 61 necessary to rule. If you look at the amount of votes that parties would get at the time, the parties that would win, we're talking about 45, 47, 48, 50 in 1969, 56, the following election, 51. These are significant numbers. No one's ever had the majority. They've had the plurality, but not the majority. 
And when you look at the elections, the most recent elections, the last four elections, five elections, you're talking about parties here. In this particular case, the election that we had just uh, on September 17th, the party that came out with the plurality was the Blue and White Party, the party of Benny Gantz, and they had 33 seats. Bibi Netanyahu, uh, the, in, the, in, the, in the final count, came up to 32 seats. So you're talking about parties which today generate almost 20 seats less than they were able to generate in winning elections yesteryear. Obviously, and yesteryear then, when they had a lot more of the seats to start off with, it was much easier to come up with a coalition to get to the Magic 61 number. Believe it or not, that isn't always the case. There was a situation, there have been a couple of situations where the leading party actually had 44, 46 seats, uh, and the second party, and I don't mean the opposition, uh, the Labor Party, had the Labor Party uh, in one particular case, in 1992, had 44 seats. The leftist Merits Party, which identified with the Labor Party, had 12. So between those two parties, you had 44 and 12, 56. And yet they couldn't find five seats in order to establish a government. What they had to do is reach across the aisle, so to speak, and bring in the votes of the Shas Party, which is a Sephardic religious party, in order to get that government. Uh, Shas ultimately pulled out. And in Israel, and it's a term that I use often when I lecture, and I hope that people understand it in the, in the sense that it's meant, there's a lot of prostitution that goes on between parties. Okay, please explain what you mean when you say the Shas party in terms of why it's so different than the party that pulled him in to make their majority. Okay, uh, allow me to begin by just giving you a couple of numbers in this particular case. I mentioned the 33 that Likud has gotten. 32 that, excuse me, 33 that Blue and White has gotten, 32 that Likud has gotten. What party came in third? It was called the Arab, it's the United, it was an Arab joint list. Three Arab parties got together and they produced 13, they produced 13 mandates in this past election. Now it's interesting because the numbers just came in every year during Rosh Hashanah, um, which begins tonight, Israel produces all the demographic numbers. Uh, Israel has 1.9 million Arabs. They constitute 21% of the population. They get to vote. If one looks back, as I had mentioned yesteryear, and they look at how many uh, mandates the Arab parties would put together, and the Arabs, it was Arab and Arab communist parties also, they were putting five, six, and maybe seven seats. Now they have 13. Their power, I mentioned in this broadcast last week that there were no winners in the election. It's a deadlock. It's a stalemate. There were no winners. 33, 32, not enough to form a government. There's an exception. The winner was the Arab parties. They were the winners. If, in fact, the way that Israel works is the party that's in power, and if there's going to be a unity, it's important that the audience understand this point. If, in fact, we somehow negotiate a unity government, and somehow Blue and White and Likud will sit together, the party that will be considered the party in opposition will be the Arab joint list. Because they'll be the largest that is not part of the coalition. Wait, exactly right. And by, by law in Israel, they have to be briefed on security matters. Does anyone see a problem here? Well, I don't think J Street does, but that's another story. Yeah. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit uh, about the deal of the century. Uh, what happened to the uh, much-talked-about deal of the century with all these elections going on? Obviously, I, that's a critically important situation. Yeah. I have argued for some time that the deal of the century is a non-starter for the obvious reasons, uh, that it takes two to tango. It takes two to tango. The Arabs have told us 
time and again, there will be no deal of the century. Uh, Donald Trump, notwithstanding uh, his uh, boastful uh, comments about, uh, oh, it's simply negotiating a good deal. What you've got to do is get both parties to say yes. Uh, someone who suggests that that might be the case, uh, Trump, uh, Pompeo, Jared Kushner, Jason Greenblatt, simply aren't listening to the Arabs. The Arabs are telling us that there's not going to be a deal. And we know that to be true because there have been several previous Israeli governments, Bibi Netanyahu when he was prime minister, Ehud Barak when he was prime minister, and Ehud Olmey when he was prime minister. Often the Arabs, 96, 97, and 98 percent of the territories that they call occupied. They call the West Bank. They, that's right. They call those occupied. They were offered 98 percent, including control of East Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. And the Arabs said no. And the reason the Arabs said no, and this is a point that no, that isn't heard, uh, it's never heard, actually. I was going to say it's not heard often enough. When people say, well, we don't understand, we've offered the Arabs 98% of what they want, and they say no, people misunderstand the Arabs. The Arabs don't want just the so-called occupied territories. They want Israel proper. So when you offer them the West Bank, if you offer them 100% of the West Bank, you're only offering them 50% of what they want. Of course, uh, they want everything, and they say it in their media, from the river to the sea. Uh, that's exactly right. Palestine will be free, right? And that's, that's a exactly chant right. you hear on the American campuses. It's really disgusting, yeah. but you do hear it. So basically, the deal of the century is just a non-starter. The deal of the century was a non-starter. Uh, th there was this misbegotten uh, belief on the part of the Trump administration, and I will say this by way of footnote. The Trump administration, Trump as president, is the best president Israel has ever had and is the best president that Israel will ever have. There's no question. But just the fact that he's a good president for Israel, and of course we can go through the litany of things that he's done from the embassy in Jerusalem and the Golan Heights and cutting, cutting funds to UNRWA and cutting monies to the, Peel, uh, the Taylor Force Act and on and on. All these are wonderful things which are pro-Israel doesn't sit well with the Palestinians or the Arabs who support the Palestinians. We have to understand this. The deal of the century isn't going to happen because we don't have a peace partner. But, Mayor, what if Elizabeth Warren is elected president? Doesn't that uh, change what you said about the best president being Trump? And I'm being facetious. I apologize. Yeah. I couldn't resist. Not at all. Doing, Not at all. Uh, it's just so absurd. Uh, Mayor, uh, we're going to come up on the next break, and so I'm going to interrupt you here because we've got some business to take care of. I'm going to have that minute of legal advice in this next break, so please listen carefully. I've had several people tell me they find it very valuable, so when I'm doing the show, I will try to always have a minute of legal advice instead of a commercial from my office. But, of course, if you want to call me uh, at my office, my number is 602 279 1914. The office is 7301 North 16th Street, Suite 203, Phoenix. So I always welcome your call. I've gotten a lot of business out of this show, and I hope that all the listeners who use my services are very happy. You are listening to Middle East Radio Forum here on 960 The Patriot. My name is William Wolf. I'm your host, uh, normally alternating Sundays with uh, Mayor Jolovitz, who is sitting across the table from me today as my guest today. And as I said earlier on today's show, I'm trying to have a listener dinner at Siegel's in the next two or three weeks, but I need to know how many people are interested in my doing so. 
obviously I'm not going to do it if I don't have a good response. And I will have a speaker, either Mayor or uh, perhaps Carl Goldberg, or perhaps I'll be the speaker. But it won't be just having dinner. You will have a chance to meet other listeners, and you will have a speaker talking about some of the issues that we talk about on this program. And I very much appreciate the fact that I'm doing this show, finishing up the 16th year. Next month, we start the 17th year of broadcasting Middle East Radio Forum. This is the longest-running brokered radio show in the history of the state of Arizona. Hard to believe, but yes, we are going to start the 17th year uh, next, uh, next month. Uh, I started the show in October of 2003. Hard to believe, but we're still going. And I very much appreciate all of your help in bringing the show to you by using the services of the advertisers. But what's critically important is you need to tell the advertiser that you're using their services because they advertise on this program. Without the advertisers, there is no Middle East Radio Forum. They need to know that their uh, advertising dollars are being well spent. So please uh, continue to listen. We're going to be continuing the show after the short break, and you might want to use the break to call other people and tell them to tune in. We'll be right back with Mayor Jolivitz. DeSoe and Macros are my business and personal CPAs for a good reason. Prompt and accurate work means I trust them with all my accounting needs. Conveniently located just off the 51 freeway at 3519 East Shea Boulevard, Suite 122, give them a call and see what they can do for you. 602-996-8885. That's Dassault in Macris, 602-996-8885. There are a lot of great Mexican restaurants in Phoenix, but I am very particular. When I want the best Mexican lunch or dinner, I head straight to Mi Patio on the southeast corner of 7th Avenue and Osborne. They serve all your favorite dishes and only use pure vegetable oil in their cooking. Mi Patio is sure to become your favorite Mexican restaurant too. That's Mi Patio Mexican Restaurant on the southeast corner of 7th Avenue in Osborne. Tell them that William Wolf sent you there. Watermark Wealth Strategies and Watermark Wealth Planning Offices at 6900 East Camelback in the Camelback Towers has been a loyal sponsor of this program since its start. They specialize in wealth retention, estate, and legacy planning. Watermark has been a leader in the Valley, and its members have been together for over 17 years. Founding partner Carmen Sircone has over 36 years of experience in tax, investment, and estate planning issues affecting retirees and their assets. They offer comprehensive planning that has helped assist families through the process of identifying client objectives and concerns, and constructing a strategic plan to address tax, risk, and legacy issues. Consultations are complimentary, and we encourage you to contact Allison Porter at 480-442-3989 to schedule. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC, an affiliate of Kestra Investment Services. Watermark Wealth Strategies, LLC, is not affiliated with Kestra Investment Services or Kestra Advisory Services. So you have just been in a car accident. What should you do and not do? Do call the police. Do not let the other driver get away with just an exchange of information. Do not move the vehicles, if at all possible, so the police can see their resting position. Do not admit anything is your fault. Just tell the police the facts as you know them. Do tell the police all aches and pains you have, and at the very least, tell the police officer that you are shaken up and are not sure if you are injured. Do get checked out at an emergency room or urgent care right away. Do take the names and contact information of all witnesses. 
Do not speak to the other driver's insurance company and do not give a recorded statement to any insurance company, not even your own. Do get legal representation right away to ensure your rights are fully protected. As I have said before, make sure you have at least $100,000 in uninsured and underinsured motorist coverage. If you need it, you will call me and thank me for this advice. You are listening to the Middle East Radio Forum on 960 The Patriot. To join in the conversation, call anytime at 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Outside of the Valley, call toll-free, 888-960-9696. Questions are also welcome at radioforum at aol.com. That's radioforum at aol.com. Now back to your host, Attorney William J. Wolfe. Welcome back to today's edition of Middle East Radio Forum. My name is William Wolf. My guest today is co-host Mayor Jolovitz. We had a call from Antonio, but he's gone. Antonio, if you want to ask a question, please call back. Uh, Mayor, you're talking about uh, different political things. You want to comment about Elizabeth Warren? Yeah, I do. I want to mention Elizabeth Warren. I do want to say, by the way, that it's important to understand we, uh, we spoke uh, quite briefly about uh, the deal of the century. The deal of the century, uh, as well as certainly well-intentioned on the part of the Americans or the Trump administration, is predicated on the Arabs accepting Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state. It's on that alone that we know that it's not going to succeed. Anyhow, uh, and anyone who talks, and we could talk about the two-state solution, the two-state solution in essence talks about Israel and Palestine. Never mind, and one can make the argument that Jordan is in fact actually Palestine, with 74% of the population of Jordan actually being Palestinians. Um, But the Arabs don't recognize Israel's right to exist. A two-state solution is something which the Arabs have never accepted because it meant accepting Israel. As concerns Elizabeth Warren, it's interesting because I've I have in front of me a, a number of uh, recent newspaper clippings and such, little things that I think escape the average person. They don't understand. Elizabeth Warren, uh, as a result of uh, uh, Biden's uh, Im- implosion of the last couple of weeks, seems to be the front runner. And uh, many of the insiders believe that she's the person who's going to emerge. When the dust settles, she'll be the candidate for the Democrats. Elizabeth Warren has, as one of her advisors, in fact, his title is Director of Progressive Partnerships. A euphemism, who knows what it means. Max Berger. Max Berger, an American Jew. A young guy. A bad guy. Max Berger was associated, is associated with a group called If Not Now, a viciously anti-Israel organization. Uh, he's, joined, uh, he's joined the Warren campaign with his um, very well-known reputation as a hater of Israel. Uh, Max Berger also formed another group with a guy named Mark Melman. Um, it was a new group called the Democratic Majority for Israel. And Melman himself, who was an associate of Max Berger, said that he was in shock that the co-founder of the organization that he was part of, actually, Max Berger, doesn't recognize Israel's right to exist. This is who Elizabeth Warren brought in as an advisor. He will be the Svengali on Middle East affairs. He will be the... Sidney Blumenthal, um, the role that Sidney Blumenthal played with Hillary Clinton. And if you know Sidney Blumenthal, hi, I'm a Jew, I'm an American, I'm proud, I love Israel, and everything that he did was to destroy Israel. His son, Max Blumenthal, wrote a book called Goliath, in which he basically referred to the IDF, the Israeli soldiers, as Judeo-Nazis. Sidney Blumenthal, an advisor to Hillary Clinton, gives her the book 
for one of the flights, a long flight that she was going to take, and asked her to read the book that his son had written, Goliath. And when asked later how, how she liked the book, she said, I found it very interesting, and I learned a lot of things that I needed to know. This is what we're dealing with. Elizabeth Warren, any Democrat, anyone who has that D after his name, by virtue of the policies of the Democratic Party, is going to be anti-Israel. Let us not pretend otherwise. In fact, here's another news clipping that I have. Pete Buttigieg, okay, brilliant in his command. That's Mayor Pete of South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> mayor Pete, of the mayor of 134,000 people with more troubles than any other town in America, has as his uh, advisor, uh, he's, a re he's a regional organizer, he has a fellow named Devin Anderson. Devin Anderson, between 2010 and 2013, wrote 25 tweets in which he praised Louis Farrakhan as a wonderful human being and everything else, and basically said that he identified with everything that Louis Farrakhan was doing. Did he add Adolf Hitler to that list? Yeah, yeah. Louis Farrakhan, of course, right? Jews are the, you know, the, the, the children of Satan. Adolf Hitler was a great man, and uh, Jews as termites. But Pete, moderate Pete, Mayor Pete, has as his regional advisor, okay, Devin Anderson, when asked by the JTA, can you comment about the fact that you have someone there who is notorious in his support for Farrakhan? No comment. No comment. And he's uh, running for president right. of the United States. Yeah. Uh, I think that says volumes. It says uh, probably more than uh, if he had commented uh, on something uh, to deny it or something. It's very, very interesting. Imagine, imagine if there was a candidate who we found out that between the years 2010 and 2013, candidate for the Republicans, who, who had brought into their campaign someone who was an active KKK, who'd spoken about David Duke in the same way that he spoke about Louis Farrakhan, I think Rachel Maddow would do a couple of specials on that alone. Well, it uh, just shows the uh, double standard we have here uh, when it comes to Israel and as to any other country. Uh, it's just uh, disgusting. Uh, go back to the election, though. Uh, do, can you even say who the winners and losers of the recent election in Israel are? Yeah, the loser. Israel is the losers. Israel, um, the system just fails. And it's interesting because we were, I had brought up the case of uh, parties before, when these parties, when the winning party would have 44 seats, when the losing party had 40, the losing party had 42 seats, it wasn't that difficult for them. And they would sometimes put together a coalition of several other, others, but those who had the coalition votes, they were five, they were four, they were three. And it wasn't unusual in the past to see a government put together where the leading party had 44 votes and the people who joined them in the coalition were five, three, four, and so on and so forth. And, and, and it was easily done. Uh, for historical purposes, I need to mention this. There were two cases. History will tell you, a lot of people will refer to the books and they'll say there was one case, 1984, where there was a unity government in Israel. In 1984, there was a unity government in Israel put together by Labor, which at the time was called the Alignment. It's changed its name a couple times. It's the same party. Shimon Peres with its head. Uh, he had 44 seats. Likud was running. Likud had Shamir. They had 41. And they put together a unity government. Why? Because no government at the time would consider bringing Arabs, however small they were at the time, into the fold. And no Arabs would join the Israeli government. Um, so what they did is they got together and they decided to do a rotation. That the first two years would be Shimon Peres, the next two years were going to be Yitzhak Shamir. And that's the way they did it, and that's the way it worked. What happened, however, and we're talking about to give people a juxtaposition so they understand the numbers, 97 they had, 97 in a unity government. 
which in essence is a strong government and it, it, it could rule. Almost everybody. Right. The only exception, when I said when you look at the history books, they mention one, there was actually a second. And people don't look at it because it wasn't conventional. During the Six-Day War, because the obvious existential threat to Israel, the, all the parties, save the, the Arabs and the communists, got together and they formed the unity government. It was a temporary unity government. It had 111. Mind you, out of 120. Why? Because they all believed that there was a reason to support Israel. The difference between today and yesteryear, even though politics has always been dirty, is that the politicians today, more than before, hate each other more than they love the country that they ostensibly serve. We see, by the way, Bill, the same thing happening in America. Okay? Uh, in America, we don't have Democrats who applaud the Republican or the, uh, the Trump administration because the economy is strong, because the, uh, uh, the, the stock market is strong, because unemployment is low, because the, the black employment, Hispanic employment. We don't see them applauding. They, rather than say, this is wonderful, it's a wonderful thing for our country, are angry because it means that the opposition will stay in power. In Israel, we see that same malaise. It's terrible. Yes, uh, it really is disgusting. Uh, you know, I'm more familiar with this country than Israel, although I am very familiar with Israel. And uh, the Democrats cannot give Trump credit for anything. I mean, they don't give him credit for anything. In any event, we are coming on the next break. We have three during the show. You're listening to Middle East Radio Forum here on 960 The Patriot. My name is William Wolf. I'm your host today, alternating most Sundays with Mayor Jolovitz, my guest today. And I ask you again, please continue to help me bring the show to you. The best way to do that is by using the services of the advertisers. And please, each time you do, tell them you're doing so because they advertise on this program. And I'm going to have a listener dinner in the next two or three weeks on a Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, probably at Siegel's. But first, I need to know how many people are interested. I'm not going to do it for just a handful of people. I've got to know that it's popular enough that we're going to have a good uh, turnout so I can have some speakers uh, at the dinner. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with Bayer Jolovitz and your questions. Watermark Wealth Strategies and Watermark Wealth Planning Offices at 6900 East Camelback in the Camelback Towers has been a loyal sponsor of this program since its start. They specialize in wealth retention, estate, and legacy planning. Watermark has been a leader in the Valley, and its members have been together for over 17 years. Founding partner Carmen Sircone has over 36 years of experience in tax, investment, and estate planning issues affecting retirees and their assets. They offer comprehensive planning that has helped assist families through the process of identifying identifying client objectives and concerns, and constructing a strategic plan to address tax, risk, and legacy issues. Consultations are complimentary, and we encourage you to contact Allison Porter at 480-442-3989 to schedule. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC, an affiliate of Kestra Investment Services. Watermark Wealth Strategies, LLC, is not affiliated with Kestra Investment Services or Kestra Advisory Services. Complete Chiropractic and Injury Service, located at 27th Avenue and Bethany Home Road, is your go-to chiropractic office for any accident, injury, or chronic problem. I have worked with them with many of my clients and received uniformly great results. So if you are injured or have chronic pain, you know who to call. Dr. Daniel Severe at Complete Chiropractic and Injury Service, 602-242-2050. That's 602-242-2050. 
Maryland Deli and Mini Mart on the northwest corner of 7th Street in Maryland is much more than just a great shell station and Mini Mart. Great cook-to-order food, different flavors of coffee and tea, beer and fine wine, including kosher wine, round out a wonderful one-stop shopping experience. A loyal sponsor of Middle East Radio Forum, check them out on the northwest corner of 7th Street in Maryland, Phoenix. That's Maryland Deli and Mini Mart, 602-277-6269. There's no such thing as too small to be hacked. 58% of malware attacks target small business, but you don't have to be the next victim. Cerno Consulting has the experience necessary to train your staff and secure your data. Right now, we're offering a free security assessment to the next 10 callers at 602-900-5522 and mentioning this program. Call 602-900-5522. That's 602-900-5522. Siegel's Kosher Restaurant has always been terrific, now even better. They have Mexican Fiesta Day every day with super nachos, beef or chicken tacos, served with rice, beans, and homemade chips and salsa. Open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 8.30 p.m., Friday, 9 to 2.30. Kosher food just does not get any better than Siegel's. 4818 North 7th Street in Phoenix. Call them at 602-285-1515. You are listening to the Middle East Radio Forum on 960 The Patriot. To join in the conversation, call anytime at 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Outside of the Valley, call toll-free, 888-960-9696. Questions are also welcome at radioforum at aol.com. That's radioforum at aol.com. Now back to your host, Attorney William J. Wolfe. Welcome back to today's edition of Middle East Radio Forum. My name is William Wolf. My guest in studio is co-host Mayor Jolovitz. We do welcome your calls, uh, so please call in. Don't wait till the last minute, please, because then you'll get shut out, perhaps. Uh, Mayor, we've been talking about the election in Israel. Uh, can you tie in the United States and Israel? How do you relate them? Are there things that are similar that you want to contrast any way you'd like to talk about it? I would like to do that. Bill, if you don't mind, I just want to throw this in very quickly because you'd asked me earlier about the winners and losers. And I, I mentioned that Israel was the losers because of the, the party system. Blue and white certainly didn't win, and uh, Likud with Bibi certainly didn't win. The Arabs won, 13 seats. All of a sudden, they become important players. I just want to read you something. These are four things stipulated by Israeli law, parties which are ineligible to run for the Knesset in Israel based on the following four things. I'm actually reading from Israeli law. The following prevents a party from running for a list of the Knesset elections. One, Negating the state of Israel is the state of the Jewish people. Arabs should be disqualified. Two, negating the democratic nature of the state. Arabs, disqualified. Three, incitement to racism. Arabs, disqualified. Four, support for the armed struggle against the state of Israel. Arabs, disqualified. And why do they run? How are they allowed to run? Because Israel suffers the same disease that the United States suffers, and that is that uh, liberalism and leftism uh, has taken hold of uh, a political mentality enough that they, uh, um, we've been told we live in a world where, uh, uh, where moral relativism has standing, and it's absurd. You're, one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. It's insanity. But let me make the connection. Um, the Democratic Party and the Republicans, we've all seen the stats, and they're quite relevant because they're different than they were two decades ago, three decades ago. A Pew poll done, a Pew poll, quite respectable because of the large numbers of people that are tabulated. Pew poll was done in America, and they asked 
where are your sympathies in the Middle East? Okay, under the question, what percentage of you sympathize with Israel based on political affiliation? This is 2018. Republicans identifying with Israel as opposed to its enemies, 79%. Shocking. I mean, how large? Independents, 42%. Democrats, 27%. Okay? Is anyone really surprised that the party of Hillary Clinton, John Kerry, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, all these people that we spoke, Louis Farrakhan, okay, Linda Sarsour, Rashida Tlaib, uh, Ilhan Omer, Keith Ellison, Keith, Tamika Mal- yeah. that's right, Al Keith, Sharplin. Al Keith Sharplin. Ellison, Deputy Director of the Democratic National Committee, whatever, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, Mark Lamont Hill, as you mentioned, from the River to the Sea, all these people, okay, uh, decidedly, at, viciously anti-Israel, identify with the Democratic Party. Viciously anti-Semitic. Anti-Semitic, and the Democratic Party will do nothing about it. I have a piece here, which if you, it'll take me less than a minute, that I want to read, which I think basically says it all. It's a piece that appeared in Commentary Magazine. Those of you who want to look it up, it's May 14th of this year. May 14th of this year, four months ago. It's a piece which was penned by Abe Greenwald. Uh, the title, The Rot is Irreversible, A Perverse Alliance. And he's talking about the Democratic Party and its anti-Israel uh, venom. Here's what he wrote. I'm going to read you the opening half paragraph and the closing half paragraph, and it says it all. Here's what he wrote in the opening paragraph. Disease is reversible. Rot isn't. Representatives Ilhan Omer and Rashida Tlaib brought the disease of anti-Semitism to the upper echelons of the Democratic Party when they were elected in November. The party could have fought the disease. It chose instead to nurture it. And that's when the irreversible rot set in. That was the opening paragraph. The closing paragraph to this piece that appeared in commentary was the following. The Democratic Congresswomen have the full support of their party. Tlaib tweeted recently, all of you who are trying to silence me will fail miserably. She's right. You can't reverse rot. It goes in one direction and it doesn't stop until it's destroyed the host. And that host is the Democratic Party bill. Okay, uh, we've got a caller here, uh, Marilyn from Phoenix. Marilyn, ask your question now. You'll have to get the answer after the break, which is forthcoming. Go ahead, Marilyn. Fine. Um, I had read that George Soros was uh, involved in busing uh, his uh, people into the Arab communities to get them to vote. And my question is, why does Israel let these NGOs into Israel? Okay, thank you for the question, Marilyn. Okay. You can start the answer oh, Okay, well, it's, it, it's a very quick answer. George Soros uh, um, sponsors a lot of organizations which are anti-Israel. New Israel Fund is one of the beneficiaries of his uh, generosity. The New Israel Fund is a viciously anti-Israel organization which supports Arab organizations which try to destroy Israel. The, the thing that she was referring to was financed by the New Israel Fund. Okay, thank you very much for that call, Marilyn. Uh, we are coming up on the final break before the final segment of today's show. The final segment actually is the longest one, so please stay tuned. You're listening to Middle East Radio Forum here on 960 The Patriot. My name is William Wolf, your host today. Uh, and actually, I'll be your host again next Sunday with David Mayer Levy. 
We thank you very much for supporting the show. We thank you for letting me know if you want to do a listener dinner in the next two or three weeks. And I thank you very much for using the services of the advertisers. Direct donations are welcome. You can send it to me at my office, 7301 North 16th Street, Suite 203, Phoenix 85020. I appreciate direct donations. People have asked me how they can support the show if they're unable to use the advertisers. That's how you can do it. But using the advertisers is, of course, the best way to support the show. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with the final segment of today's very interesting show. Manhattan Pizza and Subs, 5224 North 7th Street in Phoenix, is the best place for kosher pizza, subs, salads, and pasta. When you have to have the best kosher lunch or dinner, head straight to Manhattan Pizza and Subs. Open Sunday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m., Friday, 10 till 3, and Saturday, one hour after dark to midnight. That's Manhattan Pizza and Subs, 5224 North 7th Street, or call them at 602-248-8086. Maryland Deli and Mini Mart on the northwest corner of 7th Street in Maryland is much more than just a great shell station and Mini Mart. Great cook-to-order food, different flavors of coffee and tea, beer and fine wine, including kosher wine, round out a wonderful one-stop shopping experience. A loyal sponsor of Middle East Radio Forum, check them out on the northwest corner of 7th Street in Maryland, Phoenix. That's Maryland Deli and Mini Mart, 602-277-6269. Cherry Blossom Noodle Cafe has terrific sushi, salads, rice and noodle dishes, soup, and even great pasta. On the northwest corner of 10th Street and Camelback, it will become your favorite Asian restaurant. A loyal sponsor of Middle East Radio Forum for more than 10 years, it is simply the best place for a great Asian lunch or dinner. That's Cherry Blossom Noodle Cafe on the northwest corner of 10th Street and Camelback. Tell them that William Wolf sent you there. Telephone 602-248-9090. Tex-Az Grill on the northeast corner of Bethany Home Road and 16th Street has been my favorite steakhouse for 31 years. Great food, especially their chicken fried steak as well as daily specials in a comfortable setting keeps me coming back for more. You just have to try it for yourself. Also a great Sunday brunch starting at 10 in the morning. That's Tex-Az Grill on the northeast corner of Bethany Home Road and 16th Street. Give them a try and you will have a new favorite steakhouse too. My name is William J. Wolf, host of Middle East Radio Forum since 2003. As you may know, I am a personal injury attorney in practice since 1971. I was just awarded the high honor of Trial Attorney of the Year by the Arizona Trial Lawyers Association. I handle all types of personal injury and wrongful death cases. Unlike many other attorneys, especially the high-volume TV advertising attorneys, I do go to court if necessary to obtain the best possible resolution for all my clients. It is often impossible to obtain the best possible result if your lawyer does not have the reputation of being willing to go to court on all matters. If you have a claim, please call me for a free initial consultation at 602-279-1914. My office is at 7301 North 16th Street, Suite 203 in Phoenix. Again, call 602 602- 279-1914. I look forward to meeting you and making sure that you obtain the best possible recovery. Call 602-279-1914 and please continue to support Middle East Radio Forum.
You're listening to the Middle East Radio Forum on 960 The Patriot. To join in the conversation, call anytime at 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Outside of the Valley, call toll-free, 888-960-9696. Questions are also welcome at radioforum at AOL.com. That's radioforum at AOL.com. Now back to your host, Attorney William J. Wolfe. Welcome back to the final segment of today's Middle East Radio Forum. And again, I tell you, please call in now. If you have any questions, now is the time to call. You have a great expert here in Mayor Jolovitz, also a co-host on the show. We're talking about the Israeli election. We're also talking about the American Jewish community. Uh, in that light, Mayor, talk about the American Jewish community and its relationship to Israel politically. To me, I don't understand it, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners don't understand it. I hope you do. Somebody once said, and it was a brilliant answer to the question you just asked, um, the answer is not logical, it's psychological. There is something wrong, it's a defect. Um, I have to applaud the American, uh, the African-American community. When there's an issue which is important to them, they take the right position. They say this is a black issue and we will act accordingly. The Jews do not do so. Now, whether it goes back to this whole psychological fear that they'll be accused of a dual loyalty and what have you, I don't understand. But they in, uh, they've selected wrong. They're wrong. I've mentioned the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party, and one only needs to go back to look at the 2016 platform, is anti-Israel. It is not pro-Israel. It supports in Israel. We have a case that is more black and white than any conflict we have in the world. We have Israel and we have the Arabs. One, nation, one group of nations which wants to destroy another. And in America, we have the moderates, the leftists, the liberals trying to decide, well, it must be Israel. Uh, let, Israel is all of a sudden the Goliath, and the Arabs have become the David, by intention. The Democratic Party is the problem. And with American Jews, the problem is that they always vote for the Democratic Party. There's a quote from George Will, and George Will said, voters don't decide issues, they decide who decides the issues. In this particular case, that's true. American Jews will vote for the Democrat. They'll vote for Elizabeth Warren. They'll vote for Bernie Sanders. They'll vote for Mayor Pete. Why? Because there's that big D after their name. They will not vote for the American. Uh, they will not vote for the American candidate who is best suited for their interests when it comes to Israel. And there's an explanation. There were few polls that were done in 2012. 2018, and again in January of this year, 2019. And in each of those polls, it shows that of 11 categories which were listed as categories which are important in your deciding who you'll choose as a candidate, American Jews, when tabulated, Israel was 7th, 8th, or ninth on the list of issues which are important to you. So this notion that Israel is important enough to American Jews to vote for a particular candidate is bogus. It's not the case. And, Mayor, I would argue that uh, I think voting for Israel and the United States together, I mean, that's in the best interest of Americans. Uh, Israel is our closest friend in the uh, Middle East, perhaps the closest friend we have in the entire world. Absolutely. So it, it's sort of like, uh, you know, they say dual loyalty. Well, I have dual loyalty to both my father and my mother. Why do I have to choose between the two of them? Well said. That's and absolutely I, true. And I really think that uh, what's good for Israel is good for the United States and vice versa. I, yeah, I agree. But they don't see it. In fact, th there was a study done by the American Jewish Committee. It was done in June of 2018. American Jewish Committee. 
And what they did is they asked issues, and they wanted to compare, once again, a juxtaposition of opinions of American Jews and opinions of Israelis when it came to the issue of Israel. Here's what it, uh, it, it told us. 77% of Israelis who asked about Trump approved of his handling of U.S. American relations, excuse me, uh, American-Israeli relations. 77% of Israelis approved. What percent of American Jews approved of Israel? 34%. Next question. How many of you support the move of the embassy, supported the move of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem? 85% of the Israelis supported the embassy move. 46% of American Jews supported it. And if you were to ask Kufi, Christians United for Israel, you'd probably get almost 100% As you should. support there. Right. The most wonderful supporters of Israel. And, and if you ask the more religious or the more conservative Jews, you'll also get the higher numbers. It's the reform Jewish movement, the whole movement, which is anti-Israel. That's correct. Okay, let's go to that call from Antonio, who's back on the phone with us. Antonio in Phoenix, what do you have for us, please? Gentlemen, thank you for the program. It's outstanding. Um, I was recently uh, deeply saddened when a Jewish friend of mine told me that he would uh, never vote for uh, President Trump, but that uh, he would have happily voted for Obama, and he did, but he said he'd, he'd happily vote for Obama if he ran again. And I'm wondering, is there a, a website or a, a, a place of information that I can direct him to? Uh, I'm calling partially out of my lack of, um, lack of research. But uh, is there is there a, a place where I can uh, show him what the facts are? Okay, Mayor, do you have an answer for Antonio? If, if he was to go, to, well, if you want the day-to-day news stories, just go to IsraelNationalNews.com, known also as Arutz Sheva. IsraelNationalNews.com. If if you want the day-to-day current events, what's happening today, uh, tomorrow's uh, you know stories will be different than today's. If you want a general understanding of the concept of the conflict of the issues and everything else, my suggestion is, and you made reference to my background, the Zionist Organization, the ZOA, the Zionist Organization of America, has a remarkably good, well-researched, detailed site which will bring every issue to you and explain the issues. The Zionist Organization of America, established in 1897, is the oldest and, one would say, the strongest pro-Israel American Jewish organization. Go to the ZOA.org. Also, I would suggest going to Americans for Safe Israel website. Uh, Americans for Safe Israel, based in New York, is also an absolute wonderful organization. Indeed. And they actually run two trips a year to Israel. And trust me, these are not tourist trips. You really get into the guts of Israel. You get to meet some some people who have been directly affected by terrorism. Uh, It's kind of gut-wrenching in a lot of ways, but very important. Uh, I went on one of the trips last year and it changed my life. I mean, just to meet some of these people who are directly affected by uh, terrorism. I met a widow who's uh, with six kids whose uh, husband was murdered by terrorists. And it's just uh, very gut-wrenching to meet her and see how she's doing. Uh, Obviously, it's a struggle, but uh, these people stay where they're living uh, in Judea and Samaria, and I thank God for them. Uh, Very, very important. Uh, Also, you can suggest to your friend, listen to old Middle East radio forum shows. We have a website with uh, podcasts, and we talk about the gut issues regarding the Israel-Arab relationship, Israel-world relationship, U.S.-Israel relationship. 
And I would mention that uh, the United Nations, to me, is an absolutely disgusting organization. Uh, but uh, that's a subject for another show. Uh, Mayor, do you have any comments on that? No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, the Internet has its pluses and it has its minuses. And I'm not telling the audience anything they don't know. If you go to the wrong, if you are an amateur, a novice, um, not yet fully educated on what's going on in the Middle East, and you go to the wrong site, you will be misled. If you go to the right site, it'll allow you to arm yourself against those who mislead you. Right, and uh, I would suggest you go to the two places we told you about today. Uh, there's another question from Scottsdale. Jock, Jock, you're on the air. Go ahead. What's your question, please? Yeah, quick question. Uh, Speak up, please. We can't quite hear you. Speak up. Okay, quick question regarding the Israeli government. Long term, you know, with the Arab population continuing to grow significantly in Israel, what impact is that going to have on the ultimate power they have, say, 20 years down the road in the Israeli government? Okay, let, let me take that first, and then, Mayor, you can comment. Uh, the studies I've seen say that the uh, percentage of Jews in Israel is actually increasing. Uh, faster than the percentage of Arabs. Uh, I think it's Paul Eidelberg, who is an expert on this. He's written extensively on it. So, your Metinger, also your Metinger. Yeah, your Metinger. So I, I think that uh, we're in good stand with that. But go ahead, Mayor. Do you have anything you want to say? Yeah. Uh, the concern uh, 30 years ago was very real. 30 years ago, the Arab population, the growth, uh, we were talking about 6.8 children per family, whereas the Jewish numbers at the time were 2.6, 2.5. Uh, so there was a concern that the population was going to work against Israel's best interest. Uh, two things have happened. Uh, with modernity, the Arabs are having less children. Uh, the Jews are at 2.1. In fact, the studies just came in a few days ago, uh, 2.1. That is less of a concern because of, a, of, of another factor. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, there was a tremendous influx of Russian, 20 years ago too, uh, a tremendous influx of Russian Jews who came into Israel. And non-Jews also, I will that's, that's right. Okay. But we're talking about a population. Israel's population as of this week is 9.1 million. There were a million Jews who came from Russia, from this old Soviet bloc. Uh, that is a, a significant number which helped arrest this this skewing uh, of numbers that was in, at the time, the Arab favor. That isn't the case anymore. Also, we're getting a lot in from France and other places in Europe because of the terrible rise of anti-Semitism in Europe. And, you know, I, I have to mention about the United Nations, which is just so disgusting. Uh, they have uh, members of the United Nations, most notably Iran, the Islamic Republic of Iran, more appropriately, who call for, uh, for the destruction of a, a member state of the United Nations, and the United Nations does nothing about it. I don't understand that. I mean, if somebody was calling for the uh, extermination of Sweden or Switzerland, I'm sure we'd hear a lot about it. And you have situations like China taking over Tibet, I think, in 1950 completely. And you have Turkey taking over half of Cyprus. And you have on and on other countries with real occupations as opposed to Israel, which took over the land in a defensive war. The United Nations is totally silent on that. The only thing they're against is Israel. The most accurate numbers that we've seen concerning the Syrian uh, war of the last number of years is 550,000 dead. Mind you, 550,000 Muslims killing Muslims. 
This is what we have. In Israel, if there's a case where across the border, one or two Palestinians who are demonstrating and rioting and throwing Molotov cocktails into Israel are shot down, the United Nations will condemn, uh, will condemn Israel. It's not something which is new to us. Um, as I've said before, it's time for us to tell them to go to hell. Absolutely. Okay, Mayor, we just have a few minutes left. I, since we have the uh, 2020 U.S. presidential election coming up, uh, and you have the difference, obviously, between the Democrats and the Republicans vis-a-vis -vis Israel. I'll give you a couple of minutes to talk about that. Okay. Um, it's an obvious one. And, and there are two ways to look at it, and I agree with you that they, they happen to be run, they run parallel course. If you're an American who believes in, if you, in American exceptionalism and patriotism and everything else, there is one party, and I am not, I am, by the way, just as for disclosure, I am not Republican, I am not a Democrat. Um, contrary to the, the polls that showed, the Pew poll that I talked about, where Israel was only the seventh or eighth most important issue for those American Jews who were asked what issue is most important. And by the way, let me give you a number on it. We're talking about 4.5%. 4.5% of the American Jewish population, which was, which was surveyed, said that Israel was the most important issue in picking a candidate. Well, for yours truly, it's the most important one. Why? Because Israel is perhaps the most moral cause by which one can set their compass. And that's the problem. For Americans, I don't understand why an American Jewish woman who's 71 years old wants to support a particular candidate because he believes in abortion. I don't think she plans on having one. And nonetheless, it's because it's the liberal, it's the liberal talking point. Uh, put aside your, your, your personal feelings for Trump. It's the policy that one needs to look at. It, okay? And there's no one who can deny that when it comes to Israel, America has best served Israel under the Trump administration more so than any that preceded him. Um, the Israeli government admits as much something that they couldn't do before. The one thing that we, that I, that people of my inclination still have a problem with is the notion of a two-state solution. The notion of a two-state solution needs to be put to bed because the two-state solution presupposes that a people that try to kill another people, I'm talking about the Arab Palestinians who try to destroy Israel, are rewarded for that effort. Or, spoken otherwise, and this is what the diplomats from the world have basically told the Palestinians, and some of the leftists, and many of the leftists in Israel, if you stop killing Jews, we'll give you a nation of your own. There's something terribly wrong there, Bill. Okay, uh, Mayor, I'll give you one more minute to sum up anything you haven't uh, had a chance to say. We're about at the end of the show. Go ahead, please. Yeah, um, there's that uh, famous expression, uh, uh, knowledge is power. It's not fully true. Knowledge applied is power. Okay, it isn't enough to know about it. But the first thing one needs to do is one needs to go out there and educate themselves. Uh, the Internet brings it right in. You pick the right sites. If, in fact, if you want to contact Bill through the email here. Radioform at AOL.com. We will send you, Bill will send you, I will provide it, a list of six, seven, eight, however many, ten different websites that you can go to. You just simply click, you'll go to it, it'll give you the news of the day, it'll give you the issues. Educate yourself, because once you're educated, you have the tools. I do a lecture series every Thursday here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and it's remarkable. I have a really good group of people. It's a good group of people. They're engaged. They read. They know what's going on. 
And despite the fact that these are good people, a number of them have approached me and said, I know what the facts are. I don't like to engage in a discussion over lunch or dinner with my neighbor or my friend because I hold an unpopular view. Well, the Holocaust tells us, okay, that the silence is... Uh, um, complicity. It's, complicity is not. It, that's right. It is not an acceptable. It's not an acceptable alternative. Okay. Mayor Jolivitz, thank you very much. Uh, you'll be hosting the show in a couple of weeks. I'll be back next week also with David Mayor Levy. David Mayor Levy is probably the most common uh, guest on the show. He is a historian. Uh, he picked up after uh, Dr. Carroll unfortunately passed away. So we have David Mayor Levy. He's going to talk about uh, Students for Justice in Palestine, Jewish Voice for Peace, Boycott, Divestment, and Sanction organizations, as wolves in sheep's clothing on our campuses. Now, the campuses are very, very important. They're molding the, the minds of young people, and these people are spreading poison. That's Students for Justice in Palestine, uh, Jewish Voice for Peace, Boycott, Divest, and Sanction. These are spreading poison in our young people. Please spread the word about this show. Very, very important. Thank you for listening, and have a wonderful new year. Rosh Hashanah.